Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Today, I want to bring an end to my teaching on the subject of faith. I've been teaching on the message that I titled Increase in Faith. This is our year of increase, and one of the areas we need to see increase is in our faith. Last Sunday, I started talking about winning the war against unbelief. Unbelief is one important thing that contends with our faith. Unbelief is one thing that contends with our faith. Every time we, we wake up to the time we go to bed, we are always under the onslaught, the attack, the contention of unbelief. Why? Because the realities of our lives are always speaking to us. And whether you like it or not, no matter who you are and where you are, there will always be some negative experiences. There will always be problems. There will always be challenges. There will always, no matter what God does in your life, there will always be something that is yet to be done. Unfortunately, Satan is such a, a crafty fighter. He will always make sure you forget all that God has done. And he will always keep amplifying to you the very things that God has not done. And the more you look at the things God has not done, the more you look at the realities and the challenges and the problems and the uncertainties of the solution, the more unbelief takes the better part of you. Now, unbelief is a very difficult thing to deal with because naturally we believe what we see more than what we cannot see. We believe what we see. But faith doesn't operate by believing what you see. Faith operates by believing what God has spoken to you, which you cannot see, and yet you need to believe that it's there. And it's quite a difficult um, situation. So unbelief is always taking the better part of our life, and God is speaking to us all the time to exercise faith. So unbelief is the normal, but to have a different experience, to have a better life, to enjoy the blessings of God, you need to come to the place where you overcome unbelief, and you begin to exercise your faith, walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody say, I walk by faith and not by sight. Because sight will always put you in unbelief. Sight will always put you in unbelief. Faith will take your eyes off what is happening now and put your mind on what God has spoken. And I came to tell somebody today that everything God has spoken concerning your life, it will come to pass. It has not happened yet, but it will surely happen. It is in the pipeline, and it has its own appointed time of manifestation. And so I wanted to come to the place where you learn to establish your faith in what God has spoken more than what you see. Uh, Jesus told Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He said, it is not good to believe because you have seen. It is a blessing to believe when you have not yet seen it. The Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 that fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the fight of faith. Faith is a fight. 
Every time, you know, you, 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 sometimes you can wake up and you have all the faith and encouragement and you are speaking and confessing. I know it's well with me. Everything is going to be fine. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking through. I'm going forward. My life is getting better. And you are celebrating. You are singing and you are praising God. And the next minute, before you realize it, you are suddenly asking yourself questions. If you don't ask yourself questions, Satan is asking you questions. Satan is asking you, are you sure you are really breaking through? With that pain in your body, are you sure you are still breaking through? Are you sure you are breaking through with all these bills yet to be paid? Are you sure you are breaking through? It's June and nothing has happened in your life. Oh, are you sure? You know? And so faith is a fight. Faith is a fight. The reason why Satan fights your faith with unbelief is because he knows what you stand to gain when you continue to practice your faith. Satan knows what you stand to gain when you continue to practice your faith. So he will come against you and he uses unbelief to fight you. Uh, the more serious thing about unbelief is that the Bible says unbelief is a sin. So that makes it more serious. Hebrews 12 says that unbelief is the sin that easily beset us, easily trap us, easily ensnare us. It is the sin that is most common to all people. Yeah, it's a sin. And if it's a sin, we have to avoid it. If it's a sin, we need to overcome it. Yeah, it's a sin because God's greatest pain is to be doubted. God's greatest pain is to be doubted. God's greatest joy is to be believed. God is always attracted to people who have faith in him, who believe in him. Why? Because doubt raises questions about a person's integrity. Doubt raises questions. You see, yeah, if my wife tells me something and I don't believe it, she has every right to be offended because I am indirectly saying, I can't trust you. You are not honest. You are a liar. When you doubt people who have told you something and they are telling you what I'm telling you is true and yet you don't believe it, they get offended. You will be offended. If you come to me now after church and you tell me something and I said, are you sure? He said, yes, pastor, it's true. And I said, oh, I don't believe you. I'm telling you. You will walk away from me angry, especially if you have never lied to me before. If you have somebody, I've caught you several times lying, that one, you understand me. Yeah, and sometimes pastors catch people lying, but what can you do? But if you have never lied to me before, and you come and you tell me something, something very serious, and then after saying everything, I look you in the face and I tell you, I still don't believe what you are saying. You will be offended. So God is always offended at our unbelief because it raises questions about what? His integrity. It suggests to him we are trying to say he is a liar. And he is saying he cannot lie. He says in the way he cannot lie. He says in his word that even if we remain unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So even if we shift ground and we become unfaithful, his position is always permanent. So God is not somebody to lie. And this morning I came to tell you, God is not a liar. Don't let your situation speak to you more than God can talk to you. Yeah, we live in difficult times, we live in challenging times, but don't let the situations of the time we are in speak to you. Let God's word continue to speak to you. Because the Bible said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. And so everything you are going through is going to pass. But the only permanent thing in your life is the promise of God. 
And the word of God is more reliable, more authentic, and more powerful than the situation you are in. Hebrews 4.12, he said, for the word of the Lord is quick. He said, it's alive and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the divided asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is the designer of the thoughts and intents of the The word of God is living and powerful. That is what the Bible says. And it's only a matter of time. That situation is going to bow to the promise of God. It's only a matter of time. That situation in your life is going to bow to the promise of God. The word of God will stand. Your challenges will bow. Your problems will, will disappear. Every crisis you are going to, every difficulty you are going to, continue to hold on to the word of God, continue to confess it over your life every day, continue to release your faith in it, and I want you to know the word of the Lord will prevail at the end of the day. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says that there is one important example for us when it comes to the issue of unbelief. It's Abraham. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, you cannot study the subject of faith without Romans chapter 4. Because the Bible calls him the father of faith. The father of faith. Romans 4, we will read from verse 16. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by, according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Yeah, he is the father of faith. He is the model and the example of faith for us. You study the life of Abraham, you learn faith. You learn faith in God. Now, if you go to verse 19, there's something the Bible said about Abraham. The Bible said, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb Verse 20 is where we are going to look at today. He said, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not waver. To waver means you are easily blown off your ground. It means you are not firm at one place. You are here today. You are there tomorrow. And that is what doubt does. Doubt tells you. Today, you say, God will do it. Tomorrow, mm, will God do it? Another day, you say, I'm not even sure what is happening. I don't even know what is going to happen. The next day, you said, what can happen should happen. You are wavering. The Bible says in James chapter 1, um, verse 6, that anyone who has doubt is like the waves of the sea that is tossed to and fro, to and fro. He said, but let him ask in faith with no doubt in fall. He who doubt is like, a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The Bible said Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. He held on to it 24-7, morning, afternoon, evening, good times and bad times. No matter what is happening, it doesn't matter where he is. At home, out of home, he held on to the promise of God. He held on to the promise of God. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief will always make you keep wavering. People write and say, from today, I will not waver at the promise of God. Or say like you mean it, say from today, 
I shall not waver from the promise of God in the name of Jesus. He did not waver at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And may it be said about you not long after now that you are that believer who does not waver at the promise of God. May it be said about you that you are strong in faith. Somebody say, I'm strong in faith. Somebody say, I am not weak in faith. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, and not being what? Weak in faith. He did not consider his own body. That's what unbelief does. Unbelief keeps telling you, check your age. Check your age. You know, when you are young, birthday celebration is exciting. But when you cross 40 and certain expectations have not been met, I tell you, birthdays can become your worst days. But I, I want to tell somebody today, refuse to let your birthday be a funeral. Celebrate your birthday every year. No matter what is happening. Because the promise of God concerning your life will come to pass. In the name of Jesus, it will come to pass. It's only a matter of time. I said it's only a matter of time. Lift up your right hand and say, it's only a matter of time. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Not that the thing is going to be dead. It's already dead. That means it's already hopeless and useless. And not only that, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strengthening in faith, giving glory to God. Now we see five important things that we can learn from Abraham's example of faith from Romans chapter 4. We see five important things. The first one is Abraham developed the habit of hearing God's voice. I've spoken about that extensively last Sunday. He developed a habit. You can never walk in faith unless you hear God's voice constantly. I'm not talking about hearing God's voice once in a year or once in a while. You must hear him all the time. Why? Because unbelief is dealing with you daily. Unbelief is fighting you daily. You must hear God's word regularly, constantly. And how do you hear God's word? Read your Bible every day. Have a quiet time with God every day. Pray every day. Fast at least once a week. Schedule personal retreats periodically. Number two, Abraham had hope. Verse 18 said, against hope. Abraham believed in hope. Against hope. He believed in hope. It's easy to hope when there is hope. It's easy to hope when everything looks favorable. It's easy to hope when the chances are very, very high. But it's difficult to hope when the probability for possibility is close to zero. But when God is involved with your life, I don't care how bad it is, there's hope for you. I came to tell somebody, I don't know your age, I don't know your situation, I don't know what you are going through. I came to tell you today, there's hope for you. Because of Jesus, not because of you. Because of Jesus, there's hope for you. If Jesus is in your life, your case is not useless. Your case is not hopeless. Your case is not finished. It is not over with you. There is hope for you in Jesus' name. Somebody lift up right hand and say, there's hope for me. Come on, say, it doesn't matter what I'm going to, there's hope for me. 
It doesn't matter my situation, there's hope for me. It doesn't matter my story, there is hope for me. Because of Jesus, there is hope for me. Because of Jesus, there is hope for me. Because of Jesus, there is hope for me. If you believe it, clap your hands for Jesus. To every poor person, there's hope for you. To every motherless woman, there's hope for you. To every fatherless child, there's hope for you. To every single person who is growing old, there's hope for you. To every sick person, your, your medical result is getting worse by the day, there's hope for you. To every problem and every challenge that is, has divided every solution, there is still hope for you. In the name of Jesus, I came to announce somebody, there is hope in that your situation. There is hope. I said there is hope. Turn to them and tell him there is hope. Tell him there is hope. There is hope. Against hope, Abraham believed in hope. Hope means positive expectation of what? Of a future event. Positive expectation of a future event. Hope also means certainty about a future occurrence. There are certain things that are certain to happen. For instance, the sun will set today by all means. So hope doesn't actually mean daydreaming. Daydreaming means hoping for things that are not certain. Hoping for things that will never happen. The Bible says we should hope doesn't mean hope for everything. Hope for things that God's word has promised you are bound to happen. For instance, God's word has promised that you will prosper. God's word has promised you long life. God's word has promised you good health. God's word has promised you a good marriage. God's word has promised you that you will be a father of children, a mother of children. God's word has promised you that you will not remain single to the day you die. God's word has promised you that the situation you are in is temporary. That is what we hope in. All right. That is Abraham had hope. Today, we want to look at two more probably or three. The third one, Abraham was patient. Abraham was patient. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12, it says, do not become sluggish. The old King James said weary. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So if you see anybody who is testifying today of the, of, of the goodness of God, it was faith that was exercised in the midst of patience. Faith does not always produce instant results. Faith does not always produce overnight results. Faith does not mean magic every day. There are promises God makes to you. They are true. They are certain. But you must learn to wait for it. You must learn to wait for it. The father of faith, our role model on the Sabbath of faith is called Abraham. Do you know how long Abraham waited for the promise of Isaac? 25 years. 25 years. Since I became a pastor, I've only heard of one person who was married for 25 years before he had a child. Since I became a pastor. Most people had it before 25. And even they were complaining. God is not fair to me. God has not been good to me. I don't know what I've done to God. Every day people are giving birth. And nye, 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 nye. <laughs> the Bible said, Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not look at his age. 75, God said, you have a child. 76, 77, 78, 80 years. 85 years, 90 years, 95. 
Abraham still refused to doubt God. Isaiah 28, 16. Isaiah 28, 16. It says that the only way to prove you have faith is your ability to wait. And if that be the case, many Christians don't have faith. Therefore, that says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. That means people who act hastily, they don't have any faith. Hasty to marry. Hasty to buy a car. Hasty to what? To get money. Hasty to, to buy land. Hasty to build a house. Hasty in everything. Except hasty to church. As for church, we are always happy to be late. But apart from that, we want to be hasty. Hasty. He who believes. Do you really have faith? Show me your faith. By how long you are willing to wait on God. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not go, grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those that wait upon the Lord. Do you know what it means? It means when you wait for God, he accelerates you to compensate for the delay. <laughs> Leave the right hand and say, I'll wait. wait. Yeah. Patient people, they respect God's timing. Patient people respect God's timing. Last Sunday, I said that not all of us will be rich at the same age. Some will be rich at 30. Some will be rich at 40. Some will be rich at 50. Some will be rich at 60. There's nothing wrong with it. Life is not a competition. Not all of us will buy cars the same, the same time. Not all of us will marry at the same age. By the way, how old you are before you marry is not the issue. The issue is how good is your marriage. When you are hasty to marry, I'm telling you, it will not be that good. Because, listen, you knew there will be a problem. But you said, no, I'm, I'm tired waiting. I'm going. You are going? Go. I sat down with people. I sat down with a man before. I said, this thing won't work. He said, Pastor, I know. I said, then why are you going? He said, Pastor, I can't wait anymore. So he went and he saw Pepe. <laughs> he saw real Pepe in the marriage. And you know what I do as a pastor in such situation? It will be well. I'm praying with you. I'm not a fool to say, I told you. I, you, don't say that to, you don't say that to church members. You just tell them, it will be well. I'm praying with you. No, please, it doesn't mean anytime I tell it to be well. <laughs> if you are hasty to buy a car, you will enjoy that car. Anything God didn't give you will bring you problems. I learned that early in ministry. I never rush for anything. I wait and God brings them. And I'm telling somebody today, if you wait, you will have what you are looking for. And you will have it without any struggle. Yeah, because if it is from God, all the struggle is out. Patient people respect God's timing. God has times and seasons for everybody. Let me say that again. God has his own times and seasons for everybody. And if you want to exercise faith, you must be discerning enough to know when it's time for something. And when there is time for something, you will, you will know it because the doors will be opening for it. When it's not time for something, you want to wear things that you shouldn't wear now. You want to eat at places you shouldn't be eating now. Can I continue? And you mess your future up because you are just hasty. Somebody's doing it, I must do it. 
Somebody is building. Hey, Choboy, I must start building. Life is not a competition. I said life is not a competition. Life is not a competition. If you are not married, wait for the right person. For the right person. If you haven't met the right person, wait. The right person will come. Don't marry. Hey, listen. Don't marry six months later. Then you met somebody and say, oh my God, what have I done to myself? People have come to talk to me like that before. I say, oh, what have I done? A certain guy came to me, you know, a man to their wedding. He wanted to break. I said, you are not breaking anything. Praise the Lord. You are not breaking anything. You, you are marrying. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you will marry and meet somebody. And you say in your head, where have this guy been all these years? If God has not brought it, wait. Patient people respect God's timing. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. To everything there is a season. And a time for every purpose. A time for every purpose. Not everything will happen for you at every time. Job 14, 14. Job said, all the days of my life, I'll wait till my change comes. <laughs> I like Job. He said, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my what? Hard service. I will. Life is hard, but I will still wait. Because I tell you, if you want to be rich because of suffering, hmm, the problems you will create for yourself and your children and your grandchildren is worse than the poverty you are in now. Oh, yeah. Because you can be poor and have peace. You can be poor and have peace. You sleep anywhere, even by the roadside. You just sleep off who? But you can go into certain things. You can meddle yourself in certain things, and you will never have peace. Because you are not ready to wait for God to bless you, for God to prosper you. There are Christians that are doing all manner of dubious activity fraudulent activities just to be rich. You are doing everything. You know that this thing is wrong, but, you know, I must, you know, I must also drive my car to church, you know. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I, by this time, I need to have, you know, I need to also show people. I mean, what are you trying to show? You are showing things people can't even see. Oh, yeah. Nobody is interested in you like, like you think. But you know, people don't really care what you wore today. Like the way you, you know, look at yourself 10 times in the mirror. People, ask people what you wore last Sunday and see. You'll be shocked. Nobody will remember. I mean, try it after church. Ask them, what did, what did I wear last Sunday? You realize that they, did, they can't even remember. And because of that, you put yourself under stress. If all you have is one dress, wash it every Saturday. When it's dry, Iron it nicely. Wear it to church. And praise God with it. A day is coming. I said a day is coming. God will bless you. Then you can shop anywhere you like. Wear what you like. But when it is not there now, be patient. Be patient. Patient people respect due process. Timing, process. Many people want a product, but they don't want the process. But you cannot have a product without a process. God is a God of process. You want to be a doctor, it's not overnight. It's nine years of university education. It's called process. You see, because by the time you jump out three years later, you'll be a doctor that will be killing people every day. 
You'll be killing people. So this thing, this nine years is too long. I'll manage it in three years. I'll be a doctor. Woe betides the people who, who come to you for help. You must understand process. When you come to God, you tell him your heart desires. He shows you his plan and purpose for your life. He will take you on a journey. He will take you through a process. You must understand the place of process. God is not a magician. When I say that again, God is not a magician. Magicians are entertainers. God, he is a God of purpose, plans, and destiny. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And there's a process he will take you through. God is not just thinking about how to bless you. He's thinking about how to make your life all that he created you to be. And your life is not just about money, cars, houses, marriage, children. That's not, your, your life is much more than that. Because if all you want is these things I just mentioned, you will get them and you will still not be happy. Yeah, you will get them and not be happy. You, are, you can meet many rich people today who have all the money and all that, they are not happy. Because life is more than money. Life is more than having the best cars. You can be in the best cars and not be happy until you crash with it and die. So God is a God of process. He will take you through a process. James 5, 7, he said, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Farmers are patient people. Even if they are hungry, they know that this corn, we put it on the ground, we starve for a few months, we get plenty of corn. So he will cultivate the land, plant the seed, believe God for rain, and wait, and wait. Every farmer knows there's a process to get a great harvest. You don't take that little seed and eat it up. You have to know due process. You have to know it. So patience. Abraham waited. And I pray that you will wait. I pray that you will be patient in the name of Jesus. You will be patient. Somebody say, I will be patient. Yeah. And please, don't let anybody stress you with their impatience. Don't let anybody stress you with their impatience. Can I say that again? Yeah, don't let people stress you up with their impatience. Yeah, if people are not ready to wait, don't let them drag you into their hasty living. Don't let them do that. A pastor friend of mine came to me one day. His student had been sacked from school. He wanted help. I asked him how much the school fees. It's three times what my children are paying. So I said, you, I have more money than you. Why are you worrying yourself? Why did you take your children to this school? I said, remove them. Take them to another school. Because me, I don't have that money to waste on this kind of life. Are you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rent a house you can pay without praying. <laughs> Hello? You don't have money. You don't have money for that kind of house yet. Rent the one you can pay without fasting and prayer. There is an important use for fasting and prayer. But take your children to schools you can pay without stress. You know what the pastor did? He refused. And you know what I did? I refused to help him. No, you cannot stress me with your... No. I take my children to school. I know I can pay. I'll never call any member. You know what? My children, you know, no. Even when my children were going to church member schools, they wanted it to be free. I said, no, I'll pay. I want my children to know I'm responsible. Oh, yeah. It's free. I said, no, I want to pay. When my child was five years, I took her to a school before. 
I took prospectus. I looked at it. I told her, you can't go this year. Because I, did, I, I couldn't pay. And I had members in this year I could have called. I told her, you can't go this year. you go next year. So I started preparing and saving for it. The following year, I took her there. Don't wear shoes that is bigger than your size. <laughs> and we're going to ask people, you know, how do you check my Gucci? I don't check it. What I'm checking is your wisdom. Number four, Abraham was persistent. He was persistent. Persistence means refusing to quit. Persistence means that it is getting worse and worse, but you keep holding on. You said, I will not give up. God cannot fail. I will not throw in the towel. I will hold on because I know God will come through. Came to tell somebody, God is going to come through for you. Amen. I didn't hear your amen. amen. Mark chapter 2 verse 1. Abraham was persistent. It takes a persistent man to wait for one child for 25 years. Many people would have, would have said, God, I'm tired. Tired of you. Whatever you want to do, you can go ahead and do it. You can remain in heaven. I'm also going to live my life the way I like. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. In the day of your trouble, may you have people who can carry you along. And when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when, when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Listen, listen. The people said, today we want our brother to be healed. May God give you people like that. Amen. I was telling people all the time, relationship is more than money. There are situations where you are in, money won't help you. It's people that will help you. And that is why it's important for you to put relationship above money. If you mess your relationship with people up because of money, you are not a smart person. Yeah, because these people decided our brother must be healed. And they carried him. And they got to the house. The place was packed with crowd. Jam-packed. And they told them, no way. And the people said, we will make a way. Persistent people look for ways where there is no way. Can I say it better? God's promise is that he will make a way for us where there is no way. But listen, you have to find that way that God is making for you where there is no way. Can I say it better? God's promise is that he will make a way where there is no way. That means anytime you get to a place where there is no way, God has promised that he has made the way. So you need to find that way. Persistent people, they look for the way out. They refuse to quit. They refuse to give up. They said, well, if there's no other way. Let's climb the roof and let's remove the roof. They could have taken this guy home and he would have remained sick to death. There comes a time in your life where you are one decision away from your miracle. There comes a time in your life when you are just one decision away from a lifetime change. And it is up to you, not up to God, to decide, I will stay on or I will quit. That decision, it is you who must make it. I came to encourage somebody. If you stay on, God will come through. But he won't come through when you didn't stay on. If you hang on, you hang on, he will come through. I pray for somebody. May he come true for you. Amen. The Bible said they removed the roof. And what happened? Look at verse 5. Very interesting. When Jesus saw their faith, you know, 
when they started lowering the paralytic man from the top, I don't know whether they used ropes to tie it, but the way you lower coffin to uh, the grave, they were lowering. Jesus saw somebody being lowered down. He said, what? So these people are so determined. He said, Bible said, Jesus saw their faith. So you see, faith can be seen. How do you see it? In how people are patient, how people are persistent. If somebody has said, you can see it in their patience, in their persistence. He saw their faith. And then he didn't even wait for the person to reach the ground. He said, your sins are forgiven you. And the man was healed instantly. Galatians 6 verse 9, he said, do not get tired of doing good. Do you know why the Bible said that? Because you can easily get tired. Some people start very well. It is not bad people who quit. Good people too quit. Because at a certain point in the situation, it's not easy to keep holding on. Yeah, that is why it's important to keep hearing God's voice every day, every time. You have to remain close to God because it's the Holy Spirit who continues to give you that strength and that endurance and that energy to keep pressing, that encouragement, that hope. That's why it's good to come to church. Because coming to church every week, you hear things that encourage you to keep holding on. You can't get it at home. That's why it's good to go to church. You go to church, you get refired every week. You get encouraged every week. You get re-energized every week. And let us not grow weary, weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I have come to realize that many people become pressured to quit when they are close to their change, close to their miracle. Anytime you become tempted more to surrender, don't forget what I'm telling you today. You are just one step away. You are just one step away. And Satan can sometimes, Satan can sense your season of breakthrough. And he begins to manipulate you. He will send in people to discourage you and say all manner of things and make suggestions to you that is contrary to the will of God. That's when you become cold. You don't feel like praying no more. You don't feel like going to church no more. You don't feel like reading your Bible anymore. You don't want to have anything to do with God. That's when you start worrying, watching secular, you know, secular things, getting yourself involved. You know, that time you become very cold, spiritually cold. And when you come into that place, you should know. You become sad. You become discouraged. You wake up and you are crying. Satan is amplifying your problem to you. One of the ways is that he will make sure you forget every good thing God has done for you. Because let's be, let's be very sincere. I mean, the fact that Abraham did not have a child does not mean God did not do a lot for him. God did a lot for him. And those were the basis for which he kept hanging on. Yeah, Abraham was blessed by God, prospered. He became rich. I mean, a lot of things were going well for him. A lot of things were going well for him. God was manifesting himself in his life for him to see that I'm still with you. Bible said that he even had trained soldiers in his house, 318. That means his household was very big. He had employees. He had, he had a great enterprise. God was blessing it. And God was speaking to him all the time. I want to tell you, there are many things happening in your life that is not by accident. That is the reason for which you don't have an excuse to quit. Even the fact that you are alive this morning, you think it's your strength. You think it is your ability. You think it is because you are smart. You have no idea how many people are battling life right now just to stay alive for another day. God is doing a lot in your life. Don't let the devil deceive you. You wake up every day, you are healthy, you are strong, drive every day out to work. And Do you know how many people die a day through accidents? Google it and check. 
How many people die in Ghana per day through accident? You can just check it on the net. You drive every day and come back alive. You think it is for nothing? God is watching over you, protecting you. Listen, some of you, if you knew how determined Satan is to finish you, and you are still fine. In fact, some of you, the things you went through, if you knew how Satan wanted to use it to mess you up, you've been through worse. But look at you. You're still looking good. You're still smiling. You're still smiling. You're still looking nice. Everybody here, you're looking nice. Maybe nobody told you that, but I'm telling you, you are, and I'm very frank to you, you are looking nice. Nobody looks ugly here this morning, as far as I can see. Hello? People didn't go through half what you went through before they died. I said people didn't go through half what you went through before they died. The fact that you survived the storm, it means you are a great person. It means you are a strong person. It means you are a great person. And tell you what, God has not finished with you. That's why you are still alive. I said God has not finished with you. God still has some unfinished business over your life. That is why you are alive. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hold on to God. Because God is faithful. He will come through for you in the right time. Don't give up. Somebody start right and say, I will not give up. Somebody say one more time, say, I will not give up. Somebody say one more time, say, I will not give up. Say one more time, say, I will not give up. Somebody say, my God is coming through. My God will come through. My God is faithful. Somebody say, my God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot lie to me. In the name of Jesus. Put your hands together for the Lord. The last one, um, Romans 4.20, the Bible says, Abraham was always giving glory to God. If you are patient and persistent, the other one is very automatic. It becomes easy for you because, like I was just saying, you look all the time at the things God has done and thank him for it and let him bother about the things he's yet to do. It is not your responsibility to keep worried, worrying about the things that he has promised to do for you. It's not your responsibility. He said, I will give you a chance. It's his responsibility to worry about it. Stop worrying. You see, when you don't learn gratitude, you always live in worries. You live in worries. Hey, when will I marry? Hey, look at me. God, when am I going to marry? When am I going to marry? Stop worrying, but let God worry about it. I mean, when school resumes, do you think my children worry when they can pay their fees? I worry about that. The only children who worry about school fees are the children who know their parents are either poor or irresponsible. When you worry, you are speaking to the fact that God is incapable. He cannot do it. He's just trying to say something. But he doesn't have the ability. Yeah, but I believe my God is able. I said, I believe my God is able. I believe there is nothing too hard for my God. He makes a way in the sea. He causes rivers to come out from the rock. That's the kind of God that we serve. He speaks to the wind and the seas. He stops the rain. He brings the dead back to life. He gives sight to the blind. There is nothing God cannot do. There is nothing God cannot do. He can make a virgin become pregnant. He can make a virgin to become pregnant. Why are you worried about your age? Even a virgin can become pregnant. Hallelujah. He can make Abraham at 100 years old still impregnate his wife at 100 years old. That is the God that we serve. He is called the almighty God. The self-sufficient, self-existing God. He is God all by himself. Don't play with such a God. 
I said, don't play with such a God. He can take care of you. He can protect you. He can deliver you from every evil. He can open doors for you. He can bless you. He can lift you up. He can take you anywhere you want to go in life. That is the God that we serve. He is the almighty God. Yeah. Abraham had the understanding. And so he was always grateful. You know, the Bible said in the Philippians 4 verse 6, he said, do not be anxious about anything. When will I also have my own house? That is for God to worry about. Hey, so me too, when will I have a car? That is for God to worry about. Thank God for the things he has done in your life now. And if you can't find anything God has done in your life, I think you are not being very sincere. You are just being a hypocrite. And you are being an ungrateful. Victor, write and say, I'm not ungrateful. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Do you know what that means? It means after you pray for the child, say, every day you wake up and say, Father, I thank you for my children. Father, I thank you for my houses. Father, I thank you for my cars. Father, I thank you for my good marriage. I thank you for a wonderful husband. I thank you for, you thank him, you thank him. You th Listen, thank God for the things he is yet to do. And then he will do them quickly. Instead of every day, you summon God. Lord, I want to talk to you now. Come right now, sit down. I've served you. I've been going to church all these years. I pay my tax faithfully. I give and give and give. I pray. I fast. Everything they say we should do. Me, I'm doing it. Nothing you have done for me. See how they are laughing at me. See how they are. What they are they, they, you have done nothing. I'm still here. I sleep alone. I eat alone. I walk alone. I live alone. You summon God. And you just blast him with your complaints. You know the right thing to do? Wake up in the morning and say, Father, I thank you for life. Thank you that there's hope for me because of Jesus. There are many people better than me who still don't know Jesus today. When I was in school, I was so bad. Some of the good guys, still, I meet them. They are not born again. Me, that was so bad. God bypassed good guys, saved me, and gave me life, and gave me peace, and gave me his spirit. Today, my life is a blessing to people. Do you know today I receive messages from all over the world? Some of them from our members, some of them not from our members. Here, in this church, all over the world, in, from China, from Denmark, from you, from Holland, from U.S., everywhere. I am not hungry. I am not sick. I have a beautiful wife. I have many things to thank God for. I have many things to thank God for. Yeah. I have many things to be thankful for. There are many things he hasn't done for me, but you know, I wake up every day and I thank him for the things he's yet to do. The things he's yet to do. He has taken me to 10 countries to preach. He has given me grace to open nine churches in my lifetime as a pastor. He has given me grace every week. Every week, I have an average of 5,000 people who listen to my preaching on radio, on podcast, on Facebook Live. Look, I take time to take stock of the goodness of God in my life. Otherwise, listen, I have every right to complain. You have no idea the things I go through sometimes, but I refuse to complain. I refuse to complain. I am grateful to God. Are you hearing me? I am grateful to God. In fact, for people like you, sitting down here listening to me today, I'm grateful to God. I said I'm grateful to God. It's a blessing. Look into your life. There are many things to thank God for. There are many things to thank God for. Don't meet people. And then you come back and say, hmm, this one was my classmate. Too. See what he has. See what he's doing. 
see what he has. And look at me. And then you, you don't know. No, don't do that. Bible said that by prayer and thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for my house. I never complain to God about anything. I, anything I don't have, I am grateful. You do it. You do it. I said, God will do it. This morning I came to encourage somebody. We live in difficult times, but God is still a good God. I said, God is a good God. You may wake up in the morning, you don't have money, but God is still a good God. You may wake up in the morning and business is not going well as, as it should go. Things are bad. Maybe you lost your job because of COVID. Maybe you went through some crisis and challenge. Listen, you know how many people died in COVID? You know how many mighty people died in COVID? You are not alive because you are strong. I have a daughter in Brazil. They said they were packing human beings like, they were packing human beings like that in Brazil during the COVID. Human being was nothing. You know, they were packing. The ambulance people got tired. So now they, they use anything, pick up anything. They pack human beings dead. I tell you what, we are here, we are alive. We cannot be ungrateful to God. Stand up to your feet and let's thank the Lord for our lives. Amen. Stand up to your feet. Thank him for a minute. Thank him for your life for a minute. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. He's a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for our lives. I thank you for all that you've done, all that you are doing. Father, I know you are faithful. What you are yet to do, you will do it. We will wait. I rebuke every anxiety. I rebuke impatience. In the name of Jesus, I destroy every impatience in our lives. Father, even when we get tempted to quit and compromise, give us the strength. If there's anybody here who is going through crisis, if there's anybody here who is at the verge of giving up, I pray for you today. Hold on. May the Lord give you grace to hold on. Father, don't let your children slip into compromise. I pray today for interventions. Intervention in people's businesses. Intervention in people's marriages. Intervention in people's health challenges. Intervention in every area of people's life. Anybody that is, that is on the verge of crisis. I pray, Father, stretch your hand. Manifest yourself. Turn situations around. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.